Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back here on The First Team. I'm Joe DeLeon. Joining me today, as always, former NFL and college QB Matt Sims, also founder of the Sims Complete QB. Today, we've got some college football to talk about for the 2023 season. We're going to be talking about three top performers from the week that caught our attention, breaking down what you need to know about these guys, what their outlook is for the rest of their careers, and maybe for future prospects at playing at the NFL level. We're also going to talk a little bit about some of the games that we're excited for for this upcoming week. Matt, we've got two quarterbacks today. E- easy, easy convo for you because we've got the two <laughs> quarterbacks to talk about. And one of them is a big name. One of them's not. And I'm talking about Sam Hartman, the other being Jason Brown from Jackson State. Sam Hartman, though, from Notre Dame, transferred from Wake Forest this offseason. And he was, you know, received a lot of fanfare for ending up with the Fighting Irish because they haven't had a quarterback like this in a very long time. And he looked pretty strong in their win over Navy as he went 19 for 23 for 251 yards and four touchdowns. Just from your end, and I want to kind of have a a larger discussion on on him specifically because his projection in the NFL, I feel like a lot of people are on opposite ends of the spectrum where you know he's a late draft pick. He's a guy who physically maybe isn't as exciting as other players and could be a good backup. And some see him as maybe an eventual starter. Maybe this is a Brock Purdy type guy because he's so experienced. Seeing the game from Navy, he looks like he's even better than he was last year. What did you get from that performance and your thoughts on him? I was extremely impressed with this opening week performance. I think just with the expectations of Notre Dame going into this season, there was a lot to live up to. There's a lot of hype, a lot of question marks surrounding the offensive coordinator position and how that took place this offseason. We've tapped into that a few different times, but extremely impressed with this performance. Calm, composed, nowhere goes with the football on every single play. It looked like he didn't really make any mental errors or any throws that were questionable whatsoever as far mm-hmm. as his decision-making goes. Uh, physically, moved well in the pocket, threw the ball strong down the field. And I was most impressed, too, especially when those college tashes, multiple throws from the opposite side of the field to the sideline. And when you have a quarterback that can push the ball down the field vertically but also to the sideline outside the numbers – Man, that is a is it's an awesome opportunity for your offensive coordinator to give you great opportunities to spread the football around and to really put pressure on the defense. Yeah, Sam Hartman, first of all, just in this game alone, you talked about a lot of the things that looked good. I think the big thing for me, stepping into an offense with a lot of young, inexperienced receivers and uplifting them, bringing up their performance, setting them up to yeah. make plays after the catch, to make big splash plays. There was a lot of great stuff that we saw in film. His intangibles, I think for me, Matt, is what makes him an exciting player on the college football level. And his name is always brought up for the conversation of like really, really good college quarterback. And again, like after that, like what is he? I feel like there's always a market though for these really experienced, well-rounded players that like his arm's not huge. He's not Caleb Williams. He's not Drake May. But for his consistency, his composure that he shows on tape, there is this market for guys like Brock Purdy like Kirk Cousins, to go somewhere in the middle of the draft and be a high-level backup or take over a starting role. I know that we only have one game, but we also have plenty of other games of tape. But like, yeah. do you see that possible path for Sam Hartman that he could 
be somebody who could start in the NFL or is this somebody who's maybe just that high level backup? We saw in the draft this past year in the NFL how many quarterbacks that were drafted, you know, purely because of the fact that they have great experience at the college level. And Sam Hartman, other than Bo Nix, there's no one that's played more snaps in college football at the quarterback position than those two football players. And I think that gives him a tremendous advantage with finding a team that is right for him. Yeah, I understand the, the physical attributes. They might not, you know, blow the doors open like some others that we've seen, but you can't deny his experience. You can't deny his leadership. You can't deny the fact, too, that it looks like the guy really just knows how to play the position, and that is the most important thing that these evaluators excuse me, look at. Yeah, we obviously know it was just, it was just against Navy, so there's still a lot of a season left to be played and to get to see – what Sam Hartman's capabilities are, but already things are very, very high for Notre Dame, for him in particular. A guy who, not a quarterback, Zachariah Branch uh, from USC, exploded onto the scene. And I know that a lot of the conversation from this USC game against San Jose State was their defense looked terrible. We're not going to sit here and talk about their defense, though. We're going to talk about the guy that is already creating headlines, playing for a team that is going to be nationally recognized not only this year, but his whole career, a mm-hmm. true freshman, true freshman wide receiver stepped into this game, Matt, and he had the performance and a debut of, of a lifetime. He comes in with one rush for 12 yards, four receptions for 58 yards and a touchdown, one kick return touchdown for 96 yards, and then three punt returns for a total of 66, which averaged 22 yards per return, which is a fantastic number, a total of 232 yards First of all, talking about Zachary Branch, we've mentioned him on this show. We've talked mm-hmm. about his high upside. I believe yeah. it was either the last show or two shows before we mentioned that he could be one of the best freshmen in the country. And look, I, I might even go as far as to say the way that he played, he's going to be at the top of that list until somebody can match a performance like this because that much of a spark from a freshman is very, very hard to come by. It really is crazy, and we did the evaluation of him coming out of Bishop Gorman a year ago. We were excited to watch his film. We saw the punt returning, kick returning ability in that film, his ability to stretch the football down the field with his speed and athleticism. And when he gets the football in his hands, he's just a dangerous bullet, man. I mean, that guy can cut and jab and move and shift his weight so extremely well. Even on the kick return for a touchdown, I think he probably rushed – uh, ran probably close to 150 yards total with the amount of cutbacks and all that stuff that he had. Um, so super impressed with his breakout performance. And he's a guy that I don't know. I mean, you keep having performances like this week in and week out on a U.S. team that a USC team that will depend on you in all these phases of the game. Maybe Caleb Williams will have to steal the Heisman Trophy from his own teammate because he's going to make plays without even being on the offensive side of the football. But Really unbelievable performance. Great start to his career at USC. And, uh, man, the reincarnation of Reggie Bush, like, right before our eyes. Yeah, so that was one thing that I wanted to bring up that you you just mentioned there. With A lot of people have been saying, like, reincarnation of Reggie Bush. And I, I almost – I'm not saying that, like – this isn't me saying that he's better than Reggie Bush. I'm not, I'm not trying to make that statement. I think oh, a lot wait, of people oh, yeah. would be pissed off if I said that. But I, I almost think his impact is different, though, because Reggie Bush was a ridiculous running back in an era in the early 2000s where having a running back like that that was a home run threat was dangerous. And I think that now 
in college football, it's more dangerous to have a wide receiver who's a home run threat. Every time they return a kick, every time they get a screen pass, every time they uh, go for a, a, a deep route and they catch the ball over the top for a long touchdown, I think that that is the new wave of explosive offensive weapon that we're getting. And I think that Zachariah Branch fits that perfectly. I almost wonder, though, if maybe not this year, but eventually in the next two seasons as his role continues to expand, if he doesn't have more of an offensive impact than a guy like Reggie Bush had. I know that's a little bit of an aggressive take to have, but yeah. I, I don't know. I'm excited. That that kick return was was freaking electric. And you're right. The, the key is like, hey, we're excited and we know we see something special. And, right. and it's okay to be excited about something special. And typically when you see something special, you try to compare it to the last thing that you saw was unbelievably special. And for him, it was Reggie Bush uh, in that USC uniform. But you can already see how an offense is trying to integrate him into their game plan as much as possible. Even his touchdown, uh, receiving touchdown that he had, very simple inside zone, read, RPO. Uh, backer gets stuck in the middle, you know, looking inside towards that run. Caleb Williams throws it out to the flat. Great job blocking on the outside by the receivers. And then it's him in space versus safety. And we see with the kick return ability and all that stuff, he's just dangerous. And he's in a one-on-one situation. He's going to win the majority of that time because – He's low to the ground. He's shifty. He can accelerate really quickly. Um, so it, it's there's a lot to be excited and positive about right now for Zachariah Branch. Yeah, the ability for him to just keep making guys miss. I I do think that the real comp here is him and Tyree Kill. Like that ability yeah. to just take a football and go and accelerate. And maybe that like forty time for him isn't anything record setting. But he's one of those dudes that just the the acceleration is is silly. I quickly looked up Matt. What is the freshman record for, or the best freshman receiving season? And I I don't think this is truly attainable because apparently on this is per Bleacher Report, Michael Crabtree in two thousand seven uh, in a freshman season had one hundred and thirty four catches for nineteen hundred yards. So I don't I don't know yeah. if that's going to be be possible <laughs> to be uh, knocked out. That, that's a lot, but as far as total yards, he absolutely can eclipse that number with his pump returning and kick return ability. And, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised either if we see him more actively involved in some of the screens and, and even potentially playing some running back at times to get him the football out of the backfield in space for his linebackers. Now, that was a redshirt freshman record for Michael Crabtree. I'm kind of going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, but yes, I, 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 I know that I didn't even know that that was Michael Crabtree's uh, uh, red shirt freshman year. Yeah. I almost thought that he was an older player, but <laughs> to that point though, I'd love to check what that all purpose record is for a freshman, because I think that that could be in danger of being broken. If, if he gets a couple of these, these kick return and punt return touchdowns, a couple more of these every so often, he really could end up knocking out that record and having just a, a crazy, crazy season. Uh, I want to dive in, Matt, now on the last player. We're going down to the FCS level talking about uh, a player at a highly focused on HBCU program, that being Jason Brown at Jackson State. He is a player that has such an interesting background. And Ryan, who wasn't able to make it today, texted us what the full background is. Uh, luckily that we can talk about it. He was somebody who, when I was still playing, was at uh, St. Francis. And you watched him on tape and you saw this kid and you're like, wow, this guy's got an NFL arm. And then this was right in the era of transfer portals 
uh, guys moving in the transfer portal opening up that you think to yourself, if this guy transferred up, he could get an opportunity to really set the stage uh, as an NFL prospect. He does end up doing that, though. COVID hits, cancels his season for all of FCS, and then he transfers to South Carolina. I thought he was going to start. He didn't end up starting, but he did end up playing and having a couple really nice games, a couple really nice performances. New coaching staff came in. He ends up getting beaten out and pushed aside for Spencer Rattler. He transfers to Virginia Tech. Does not get the starting job at Virginia Tech, but does have some opportunities to play. And this is the last time that he has declared for and requested a final year of eligibility and the NCAA granted it to him as he transferred to Jackson State. Some didn't even know if he was going to start for Jackson State. And he steps in first game in week zero against South Carolina State with a performance that is just amazing. A hell of a debut, 25 for 29, 356 yards and three touchdowns. Now, we were texting yesterday, and I was saying, like, we got to talk about this guy. This guy is just an awesome story, awesome player. And I was saying, you were going to have fun watching him. And you immediately texted back, this is this was great, getting to see him play. What were some of the takeaways that you got just from this single game alone uh, for Jason Brown as a player? It's tough to encapsulate, but uh, it just – you know, the former quarterback in me, the quarterback coach in me, just hearing his story from Ryan and yourself yesterday in, in that text exchange, uh, I just, I got so, because like, he's the epitome of college football. Yeah, He's the epitome of what it means to just, you know, to be an American, to get a second chance, right? To get multiple chances at your your opportunity to, to be a, a, an awesome player at your craft. And man, Jason Brown did not disappoint strong, athletic, quick release. I mean, strong arm, has a cannon, really didn't even have to display it that much in that game. Uh, Threw the ball extremely well on the run. I mean, and the guy had a, you know, Phil Sims slash Doug Williams-like performance in his first game as a starter in Jackson, Jackson State when you know that there was just more eyes on them than ever considering what happened with Deion Sanders and all that. But, man, he, he did not disappoint. I'm so happy for him and that school to move forward. And I I am now a huge fan of Jason Brown, and I will definitely keep my eye on him uh, definitely more intensely than I did going into the season. Yeah, there are a couple FCS guys that I think are going to be on NFL draft radars. Theo Day from UNI I think is like the biggest one, uh, specifically like at this quarterback position. Mm-hmm. I think that Jason Brown – with this performance is not going to put him on back on the map, but is going to at least be a precursor for a really, really good season for him to get an opportunity as a UDFA uh, to get a training camp invite. Maybe he ends up on a practice squad. Maybe things go even better than that. And you truly get to recognize that he's got a big arm. And if you can develop and work with him a little bit, maybe he has some upside uh, to be a developmental quarterback in the NFL, to be a backup at some point. But as we talked about here, getting all these chances, these opportunities continuing to bounce around, and he fits the description of what happened with a lot of guys during that COVID season. Season gets canceled, look for the next best opportunity. He gets a huge shot to go to the SEC, doesn't really work out, and he's now back at the FCS level, and he dominates right off the bat. There was yeah. no slow start. My thing with him I think that he is going to be in the conversation for the FCS Player of the Year Award, which is the Walter Payton. I don't see why he shouldn't already be in that convo. If he continues to string the game together games like this, 
he is going to be up there for one of the best quarterbacks in all of the FCS level. Um, and the last piece of this, uh, he's got another opportunity this week. They're playing Florida A&M, which is a top 25 FCS program. And he's going to get the show again. Hey, you know, that wasn't just a, a fluke. That wasn't just a, you know, one shot opportunity for me to pop onto the screen. It's I'm going to do this every single week. Yeah, I mean, it, listen, if Shadir Sanders and Deion Sanders had this same performance to start week one at Jackson State, everyone in the world would be talking about it. You know, now yeah. the fact is they're not there and that, you know, PR machine isn't quite the same anymore. But Jason Brown, you know, filled huge shoes that were left there from the Sanders family. He lived up to those expectations of being a guy that bounced around to Division One schools and rightfully so because of his talent. And just like with Sam Harmon, like we mentioned earlier, made great decisions, knew where to go with the football all the time, was never confused stood strong in the pocket multiple times, threw really good footballs while he was being hit. And again, a guy that if you're doing the evaluation process as an NFL scout or an NFL coach later on in the year, if he continues his success on the field, how can you not give some sort of credit to this young man mm. for being able to continue to fight what he always believed in? And that was himself and his talent. And, and I think I give huge kudos to that because I kind of, have a, a similar feeling myself with my career that way, where I was kind of doubted a few times in my career in college. Some of it self-inflicted. Some other of it was just happenstance of the situation that I was put in. But I continued to believe in myself and chase my dreams. And I finally got an opportunity to, to kind of overcome, you know, some of my, my blunders of my career. And Jason Brown, there really wasn't any blunders. He just kind of was in a situation where he got the short end of the stick a few different times. Yeah. You know, uh, right now, uh, I would say he is definitely on the, the board of a lot of guys in this evaluation process. And people are going to be taking second and third looks to make sure uh, that this guy is legit, which I already believe that he is. And I'm excited to see, you know, where his season goes uh, for Jackson State. Yeah, we're absolutely going to be rooting for uh, for Jason Brown on this program. Um, I want to wrap us up here, Matt, with week one. Finally here, week zero was a nice little taste. You know, we, we got a nice little exposure <laughs> to some of these games, but they weren't yeah. the most exciting matchups. Week one does present us with some exciting matchups and some first glimpses at new situations, new head coaches, new players that have transferred. I want to just share like a couple of games that we were looking forward to. My first one that I'm really excited about, Matt, is this TCU-Colorado game because we get the first opportunity to see what is Dion, what is Shadur Sanders, what is Travis Hunter going to be like this season. I also am a little wary that this might not go super well to start off in their first season together because of all the new faces and trying to get on a, a, a cohesive level for them to face off with a team that was just in the national championship. I think TCU rolls here. I'm also kind of curious is like, does, does uh, Chandler Morris and, and Sonny Dykes, do they just pick up right where they left off now that Duggan and Garrett Riley are gone? This game justifiably is placed in a primetime slot as I believe it's the first game. One of the first games that kicks off this, uh, this Saturday. I mean, rightfully so. And, and of course, I mean, Colorado's spring game uh, was just a, a highlight of kind of where we were going uh, with mm. the show in prime time and what he brings, right, to college football. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how this Colorado team responds to all this attention. 
Um, I still think that they have one glaring problem, and that is they have a lack of depth and they have a lack of size. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately for oh, – fortunately, I guess for them, they're going against a TCU team that maybe starts slow because of just the fact of having such a high, high at the end of the year and then getting absolutely annihilated. But – uh, maybe that's also another reason why this TCU team is going to be ready and fired up and wants to go out there and really show everybody, hey, this wasn't a one-year fluke. You know, we weren't just a one-and-done type of team. We're back. We're ready to go. Now, that being said, Max Duggan is gone. There's a lot to replace with him because of his balls and heart and how he played last year. But uh, it will be exciting to see. The one other aspect, too, that I find interesting about Colorado you got Dennis Thurman, longtime NFL coach, uh, fantastic defensive coordinator with Rex Ryan and the, those New York Jets teams that were great mm. defenses. Sal Sanzari, he's on that staff too. Longtime coach in the SEC in Alabama with Nick Saban and all of them. Won three national championships throughout his career. And then you have Tim Brewster, one of the most like all-time greatest recruiters in the history of college football. Recruited my brother from Texas. Uh, all the way from New Jersey, so you know he knows how to talk the talk and walk the walk. Um, so it really will be up to gentlemen like that in the in the Colorado brain trust that can hopefully win a game or two that they're not expected to win because I think Vegas has them uh, set at four games as their over-under for winning yeah. this season. It's something, something unexciting like that, and we're going to be rooting for him, <laughs> but it just might be – you know, it might be a tough starting slate here having to play against uh, TCU. The other game that I have that I wrote down was Clemson versus Duke. And trying to go with some of the less um, uh, mainstream games that everyone's going to be talking about. And the, the reason why I wrote down Duke-Clemson, Matt, is because of Clemson side of things. Cade Klubnick, Garrett Riley, what does that pairing look like? In This is an early test. I think a lot of people just assume that Duke stinks when last year they were really good. And defensively, they're pretty underrated. They got a good offensive line. Do they start off and explode onto the scene with just a crazy performance and we're already talking about how good Kate Klubnick can be? Or is it you know a little bit of growing pains as they're starting to get used to stuff? And then I also love Riley Leonard as an NFL draft prospect. He cracked my top five quarterbacks for the 24, 24 NFL draft. So this quarterback head-to-head matchup, this is quite possibly the best of the week of just draftable prospects between these two guys getting mm-hmm. to see them face off. Yeah, I mean, Riley Leonard, this is the beginning of the process of where you lie as far as draft prospects go, the Heisman hopeful race, all that being said. I I think Clemson really should be very, you know, it's not one of those, hey, it's a pushover, oh, we're better because, you know, we're the top dog in the ACC. This Duke team is absolutely capable of posing a potential upset. And I think there's no better time to play a new quarterback new offensive quarter relationship than early mm-hmm. on in the season because they need to really still figure out who and what they are on the field. The communication of it is extremely important. So I think Riley Leonard and this Duke team have a slight advantage just with the fact that, you know, there hasn't been too many moving parts with that organization this past year. They're essentially, everyone's coming back, they're experienced, and now it's really just, can you – perform when the brights are as light as they uh, as bright as they are for this opening week yeah a lot a lot of exciting games this weekend um (laughs) matt we're gonna be locked in we're gonna have a lot to talk about hopefully ryan's back with us next week when we're gonna be uh going and recapping a lot of craziness during this slate at joe de leon at sims complete 
QB. Folks, thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.